Well, good morning, everybody. I must admit, today's been uh, quite the exciting day for uh, myself. I was going over my message this morning and uh, deleted it. <laughs> Way to start. But uh, thankfully, I had most of it backed up on my phone, so uh, I went through it and uh, did a little bit of last-minute uh, updates. And uh, Lord willing, this is going to be help, at least for myself, and thankfully all are here as well to hear it. And uh, pray it's a blessing for you as well. I'm going to start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, uh, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah 41, 1 through 10. Oh, if I should turn the microphone on. There we go. Isaiah 41. Verses 1 through 10. One page. The Bible says, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings? He gave them as dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. He pursued them and passed away safely, even by the way he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped every one his neighbor. And everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smootheth with all with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I ask you to be with us today. Help us to learn something from your word today. Lord, I ask you to calm my nerves. Help your word go forth, Lord. I ask that all be done for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, now I told Pastor that I am uh, willing and ready to preach any time that he needed me. <laughs> Last month, when he asked if I would like the opportunity to give a message on Preach the Word Night a couple of weeks after, I said I was ready and thankful that he thought of me. If you were here, you know I preach on the sower and sowing the seeds of the gospel and encouraging those who might have otherwise fall by the wayside. Afterward, I said, anytime he needed me, I would be willing. <laughs> Yesterday, he gave me that opportunity. <laughs> but not a 10-minute slot between other guys. I would be here on Sunday morning preaching the main service. When he called me and asked, my first impulse, I'll be honest, was fear. 
I have an illogical fear of speaking in front of people. I remember in high school, I gave an oral report, and I could not see the words on my page because my hands were shaking so much. Not that I can't do it. I've spoken in front of the uh, Sunday school classes every week. I preach a few messages uh, for the nursing home ministry where we used to go to a church in Washington. And I've done preach the word night twice now. Isn't it the same, speaking in front of a group of brothers, sisters, friends, as 10 to 20 kids? Truthfully, I don't know at what point it becomes fearful for me. But it does. What happens? My hands start shaking. My breathing is constricted. My face flushes. I have a hard time remembering anything. Another fear of mine is heights. When I'm in high places, my hands and legs shake. I feel unsafe and vulnerable. Before I was saved, I used to climb mountains. I wanted to face that fear. See, I wanted to conquer that fear, but I was still scared. I was fearful. My legs shook so much, I thought for sure I was going to fall a long way down. But I'm here now, aren't I? I think Pastor's actual question to me yesterday was, would you be willing to preach tomorrow morning? Willing, yes. Terrified, also yes. So bear with me today as I try to deliver this message. And after uh, thinking about it, I had a couple of different messages that I'd already had prepared. One of them was on fear, so I thought it fitting, given my initial reaction. There are many different types of fear, and I wrote some of them down. Some of the more interesting ones that I saw. The fear of good news or hearing good news. Euphobia. That kind of sounds cool, euphobia. Speaking in public. Glossophobia. Fear of heights. Acrophobia. Fear of bald people. Pelodophobia. I hope no one here is pelodophobic because me, pastor, I don't know. Just bad, bad thing to be. The fear of string. Linonophobia, and the fear of phobias, phobophobia. Makes sense. So ask yourself this, what do you fear? Spiders? Speaking in front of people? How about the safety of your family? How about not being able to provide for them? What about the direction of our country? All that fears, but Isaiah 41.13, the Bible says, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Hebrews 13.6 So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Psalm 46, verses 1-3 through three, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. God does not want us to fear. He knows we don't need to. We can depend on him. The Bible says, fear not, or some variation of that statement, 365 times. That's one for every single day of the year. We can rest in that. Now, my message today is going to be a lot of what God says, not what Dan says, because I really don't have a whole lot to say. But he does. 
and it's very apt. It will help us through our lives. <clears throat> Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Proverbs 29.25, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The Bible says, Fear bringeth a snare. A snare trips us up. It stops our forward momentum. It waylays us from the course that we have set. Now, what goals have you set? What stands in your way? Are you fearful to take that next step? So what are ways that we can overcome this fear? What does God say about it? In Isaiah 41, 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. God says he will hold our right hand. Now, for any of you who have kids, better yet, for any of you who've ever been a kid, you'll know, wait, that's everybody, right? Yeah, okay. You'll know when someone's holding your hand, they're offering comfort. Brian, can I use you for a second? Now, I asked him to come up here, but I didn't tell him what we're actually going to be doing, so it might be an interesting result here. Can you stand right there for me, please? Why did you just take my hand? Because you wanted me to. <laughs> it's true. How did you know I wanted you to? Because you held it like this. I reached out for you, didn't I? Mm -hmm. That's it. Also, I wanted you to do it. Have a seat. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I reached out my hand to Ryan, and he reached it back. Ryan, do you trust me? He does. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but <laughs> he does trust me. I reached out for him. He reached out for me. Just like God, always is looking for us. So Jesus says, the door is open. He's knocking, right? All we have to do is open the door and let him in. We have to reach for him. God says you can't hold your hand unless you let him. James 4, 8, Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, first, how do we conquer fear? And there's only one point here, so I should help you out. We need to seek after God. That's it. We need to seek after God. A lot of sub-points, but we'll get there. The Bible says over 52 times to seek after the Lord. I counted 56, but whatever. Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Luke 12.29, and seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth what ye have need of these things, that ye, need, that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we hear that verse all the time, right? But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. But... Anyone know what the next verse says? Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So that's the result of seeking after the kingdom of God. It's your Father's, that we're supposed to fear not, your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In 2004, a painting by Anna Mary Robertson, better known as Grandma Moses, was brought to the Antiques Roadshow for appraisal. Before the Civil War, Robertson did not 
take up painting born before the Civil War. She did not take up painting before late in her life. Her primitive style eventually became extremely popular, and her work commanded a high price. The man who brought the painting to, the, to be evaluated had lived nearby, and his mother was a friend of Grandma Moses. He said, she was just a wonderful friend of the family, and she would let my mother buy these paintings, which she thought had relatively little value. I guess my mother did too. She probably had eight or ten of them, and I would guess that for perhaps under $10 each, she bought them. The painting that was bought for around $10 was appraised for 60000 In her early days of painting, Grandma Moses did not think her works as being very valuable, so she parted with them for next to nothing. How often do we give up that which is priceless for a little temporary pleasure or advantage? How often do we abandon that which matters most for that which matters least? The best way to determine what matters the most to someone is not to hear what they say, but to see what they do. The things we pursue and give our lives to are the things that we truly value the most. Fools do not seek wisdom because they do not place any value in it. Wise people will seek wisdom, even at great expenses, because they understand how important it is to successful living. When we value what God values, we are on the path to wisdom. So yes, we need to seek God, right? That's not our, our point. But how do we do it? We seek God by first reading his word. See, the lack of knowledge of the word of God keeps us ignorant of God. It causes us to limit God in every situation. And we end up doing things our way and go out of his plan. We could be fearful because we don't allow God to fulfill his promises. In John 14, 6, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We can follow that way, find that truth, and experience that life only through his written word. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So there is nothing above the word of God in this universe. So we start growing spiritually only when we start knowing God through his word. We begin to grow spiritually as we get to God through his word. The best way we can overcome, I'm sorry, the best way we can become better acquainted with God is through his word. We cannot understand God by feelings because we understand God by what the word says he is. Our faith in God should be based on the word of God, not on anything else. So what happens if you read or study his word? There's a sub-sub point one. We will be both in the light and be the light. So we will be both in the light and be the light. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? John 1, 4 through 6. In him, for, sorry, that's, yeah, that's right. John 1, 4 through 6. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So Jesus is the light, right? Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Ye are the light of the world. So that's us. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
See, we need to be that light that shines in Moore, Blanchard, Oklahoma City, or wherever we are. If we study his word, we're better able to sow that seed to spread the gospel. The biggest fear that people run into in witnessing is, do I have the right answers? I thought about that when I started witnessing. What do I say to people when they ask me these questions? Well, what do I do if someone has a question I don't know? If I know his word well enough, I'm not going to have that question, right? So we need to be studying and learning more to where we are more, more better, more able to explain those answers, right? But the answer to that fear is just to look. Say, hey, Bill, I don't have the answer right now, but I know where to look. I'll get back to you about that. Where? Right here. What happens if you... What happens to you if you read or study his word? First, we'll both be in the light and be the light. And second, our faith won't be shallow. Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The more we read the Bible and see God meeting the needs of his people, the more faith we can have. What about you in your life? Has God been there for you? Has he seen you through the difficulties that you've had, he has for me every single time. Every time. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Isaiah 25.1, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. And from Lamentations 3.23 is the, the great line, great is thy faithfulness, which we've sung about many times. Great is thy faithfulness. Ever met someone with shallow faith? I trust God, but whoa. This is a hard time I'm going through. I don't know if God's able to, to kind of meet my needs in this area. I don't know if he's able to see me through this one. Guess what? My God is faithful. Every time. He has never failed me. Has there been a time where I didn't get my way? Well, yeah. But his ways are not my ways. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. Right? So what happens if you read or study his word? First, we'll be, both be the light and be in the light. Second, our faith won't be shallow. And quickly, third, or we can avoid a hardened heart. Now, the starting point for avoiding a hardened heart is to recognize and submit to God's authority through his inspired word. If we sit in judgment of the word, criticizing things we don't agree with or think outdated or in error, our hearts are challenging God. Be careful there. To learn from God, we must submit to his inspired word. So we can uh, seek God by first reading his word because the answers, answers are here. And second by reaching out to God by prayer. In Psalm 63, 1, the Bible says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. My soul thirsteth for thee. You need to seek him out, both in his word and by prayer. So when Hudson Taylor sailed to China, Hudson Taylor was the, from the China Inland Mission. We read a book on that with my boys when they were little. It was a really cool book. It was kind of the same series that Pastor's reading up in the, the front thing there. 
But when he sailed to China, he heard an urgent knock on his stateroom door one time. He opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. Mr. Taylor, he said, we have no wind. It's a problem then. They didn't have steam engines, or they didn't have motors on their ships. They relied on the wind, right? We are drifting toward an island where the people are heathen, and I fear they are cannibals. What can I do, asked Taylor. I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. All right, Captain, I will, but you must set the sail. Now, they didn't set sail until they had wind. So doing so proved that they were expecting it, right? And the captain said, well, that's ridiculous. There's not even the slightest breeze. Besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy. But finally, because of Taylor's insistence, he agreed. Forty-five minutes later, he returned and found the missionary still on his knees. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. I guess a gale had come up there and started the ship really rocking. So the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Now, you hear that verse a lot as well. Does that mean you're going to constantly be praying your entire life without stopping? Yeah, it does mean that, actually. But um, it also means you need to be in a spirit of prayer, ready to pray, at a moment's notice, depending on your situations. Ever been in a situation where you need strength? Pray. I read something a year back that really struck a chord with me. If you have to ask God for strength, sorry, if you don't have to ask God for strength on a regular basis, you're not carrying enough. If you don't have to ask God for strength on a regular basis, you're not carrying enough. That kind of reminds me of our memory verse. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You ever have a loved one that needs salvation? Pray. Don't give up. Ever thought you just couldn't carry on? Pray. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you praying each day? Not just before meals, but truly are ready to pray at a moment's notice? We just had a series on prayer. Let's put it to use. So we can seek God by reading his word and by prayer. And that will allow us to conquer fear? Well, not exactly, but it will allow us to let God conquer our fear. And that's what we're looking for. We have to lean on Jesus because with his help, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. All that being said, are you afraid of witnessing? Have you told your family about Jesus, your neighbors? Are you afraid of knocking on that door to invite them to church? Of giving the gospel? Is your fear going to cost that person an eternity in hell? Think about that. Have you prayed about this? Have you armed yourself? How do you arm yourself? Well, you put on the whole armor of God. In Ephesians 6, 14 through 18, the Bible says, Stand therefore, having your, girds, your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, 
So you have on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Read the gospel. And above all, taking the shield of faith. So you need faith. Wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. So you need salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 1 John 4, 4. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Do you seek the Lord? Do it. The Bible says he will deliver you from all your fears. And my God is faithful. He keeps his promises. Now I know this is not a 45-minute sermon like uh, you guys are used to hearing, but mine are about 10 minutes because that's how I've been allowed for in the past. So I think Dupree will double that. So that's all right. But I'm going to close with this illustration. Trust the catcher. One author tells about a lesson he learned from a family of trapeze artists known as the Flying Rodleys. He visited them for a time after watching them fly through the air with elegant poise. When he asked one of the flyers, the secret of the trapeze artists, the acrobat gave this reply. The secret is that the flyer does nothing and that the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, my catcher, I simply have to stretch out my arms and my hands, and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron. The worst thing a flyer can do is to try and catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It's Joe's task to catch me. If I grab Joe's wrists, I might break them, or he might break mine. And that would be the end for both of us. A flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. God is our catcher. Let's let him do what he promises he will do. That's all I got for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing me to be in your house today. Thank you for allowing me to deliver this message. Lord, I ask that you just help, help us to get something from it, Lord. I ask that you just help us to learn from your word. Help us not to be fearful but depend on you, Lord. Help us to just do what you've asked us to do. Give our burdens to you, and you'll be faithful and just to be there for us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let uh, Brother David uh, lead us in that one, and that's 546.
I'll stand. We'll uh, be dismissed. Again, uh, thank you for uh, our guests that have come out. Uh, thank you, Brother Dan, for uh, conquering your fears and uh, coming up here. And uh, in case you missed it, he pointed out there's 365 times, of course, 365 days in a year, but there's a leap year. So once in four years, you can have uh, a little bit of fear. But when the fear hits you, seek God. Have it uh, taken care of. So uh, let's uh, make sure that we have that part in uh, getting our reading in and seeking after God in prayer and uh, sharing the gospel with those around us that uh, Dan was speaking of as we uh, get out today. Don't let uh, COVID or whatever illnesses are going on out there that are uh, uh, keeping people away, don't let it uh, rule your life. Uh, we need to uh, live for God each and every day. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, uh, we again dedicate this day to you, and uh, we thank you for uh, each one that's been out here today to hear your word proclaimed. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, take it to heart, that we would not allow fear to rule in our lives, whether it be uh, fear of public speaking or fear of sharing the gospel with those around us. But uh, Lord, uh, that we would uh, seek you and, uh, and, and trust in Jesus and allow you to work in our lives so that we can be perfected in a way that uh, sheds glory on you and uh, not on ourselves. Uh, be with us now as we uh, head our separate ways. Uh, bring us back safely tonight. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And you're dismissed. Amen.